In Lob Stories, we walk and we talk with inspiring and forward-thinking people. I walk very fast. I walk extremely fast. I eat fast, I walk fast. I drive very slow though, but I walk very fast. I used to live fast, but now I'm... I'm <laughs> I guess I live at a slower pace. In this first episode, we walk in Jardin du Luxembourg in Paris with French artistic director Thomas Lantal. We talk magazines, good taste and bespoke shoes. Welcome to the John Law Podcast. I'm an art director. I've always been an art director. I went to a graphic design school that was supposed to turn out art directors and I became an art director. So I'm... I'm, I'm Uh, I've always been in this uh, profession. Uh, I, uh, I've always... Uh, my first job was in a, in a magazine, in a, in a fashion magazine, and ever since I've always been uh, close to magazines and, uh, and, and fashion magazines. I mean, these days I'm I, with a group of... Uh, friends do a magazine that's based in London uh, that is uh, devoted to the business of fashion somehow and it's called System Magazine and it's a biannual is um, trying to I guess dig somewhat deep in the subjects we choose to cover. Doing a biannual allows you to take your time and I guess do the job properly. It's, I think it's a good format for magazines these days. I used to work in a monthly uh, back when I was in my 20s and 30s and 40s, I guess. <laughs> and now, uh, now it's a biannual. I think as a child, no, I was a draftsman. I was a really good draftsman. I, I used to draw all the time and I was quite good at it. And then somehow... <laughs> this talent left me <laughs> and so but I was I was always very very keen on visual things and very very triggered by uh, looking at things in general also looking at still things like paintings and photography later on but as, as a starting point probably painting more so because uh, because my father was uh, dealing in old masters and so I would as a child see a lot of that around at the house and in museums also. Walking in museums with my father was uh, something I used to do a lot as a child. And so I guess it triggered a deep interest in, in, in painting and, and, and drawings and stuff, but, and, but in general in all things uh, visual and, and a sense of quality and you know furniture, interiors. Yeah, I, I suppose all things uh, visually appealing. I was educated in, in a certain type of taste, I suppose. Uh, is that good taste? I don't know what good taste is. I, I know what good taste means these days, and there's a, there's a very bourgeois connotation to good taste, and there's probably truth to that, I, I suppose. Uh, so, educated in a bourgeois taste? Yes, probably. I don't know if that's good taste. <laughs> When I got out of uh, art school, I was uh, my photography teacher was uh, 
a great Swiss man called Peter Knapp, who back in the 60s and 70s was the art director of French Elle and French Vogue. Uh, and uh, when I met him, when he was my teacher, he was the art director of various magazines at uh, uh, a French publishing house that was called Philippe Aki, Achette Philippe Aki. And uh, he was the art director of a, of a fashion magazine called Femme, a fashion magazine that would actually mix quite a bit of culture with fashion, which was um, fairly uh, not so common back then, in the, I think in the early 80s, in France at least. And so it was a very interesting experience, and from then on I became, I guess, an art director for fashion magazines, for magazines in general. And so that was, my first job was with him at, uh, at uh, Femme. It was a very different time because you have to understand that digital didn't exist. It was still something that felt like science fiction. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't what we, were, what we were doing. We were still very much uh, cutting papers, gluing, pasting, doing photo repro and so on and so forth. There was no computer in sight, not even at the... That was early 80s. Uh, there is probably not even a computer at the uh, accounting department. <laughs> it was very, very artisanal. It was, well, artisanal is a big word because artisanal uh, implies uh, a sense of uh, deep quality in the execution. I mean, cutting and pasting... Uh, uh, doesn't require uh, amazing artisanal skills. That's not what we were doing, actually. Uh, we were just, you know, but it was still very, uh, it, was a, it was a measure of handicraft. I think buying my first pair of John Lobb felt like amazing. <laughs> but to a, certain, to a certain extent, yes, uh, uh, you know, being in a position to, to uh, thanks to the money you were making as a very young man, doing what I was doing, being able to acquire something like that felt really, really good. I think I was probably in my really early 20s, probably 22, 23, something like that. And I had a friend who was a, a very good photographer, a sort of very traditional black and white, uh, Hasselblad and so on and so forth, who had taken pictures at Loeb back then. And he introduced me to the last maker at Loeb, who was called uh, Jean-Pierre Suire, who was a, a, a larger-than-life character, very handsome man with a leather apron, very strong, very funny, very endearing character who is uh, just really taking care of clients at Le Bois d'Anglas back then. And he was a very welcoming guy. There was nothing, uh, there was nothing too impressive about it. He was really gentle and nice and, and welcoming and fun. And I looked at this amazing cupboard of, um, a glass cupboard where they had probably in around 100 or 200 pairs of, of beautifully aged bespoke lob shoes and I uh, decided on a pair of uh, brown brogues. 
brown shoes, especially when they're very old, they tend to get an amazing patina, which you don't necessarily get with black shoes. And so in that huge cupboard, all the brown shoes looked incredible. They had all the colors of honey and brandy and, and they were really like chestnuts and stuff. It was a very, very attractive thing about all these shades of brown and, and there was a pair of brogues in there that looked amazing. They must have been like, I don't know, 60, 70 years old, uh, baking in the sun for forever. And also you have to, I suppose, uh, Imagine when, what uh, uh, style meant in the 80s, and there was a lot of Anglomania was still very much the thing. And so I think those brown brogues, to me as a little Parisian boy, they just exuded everything English. Back then, I think I had corduroy trousers <laughs> and tweed jackets, uh, or uh, yeah. So I, I, it felt like very kind of uh, country squire or what a French person would imagine an English country squire would would dress like, which was always like not at all what, what, a, what a real English country squire would wear. It was just this sort of French fantasy of what an Englishman would be wearing. I had a program. The next pair had to be a pair of uh, a pair of, of Oxfords, completely unadorned, very simple black Oxfords, very plain. So to me, that was the starting point of the whole <laughs> idea of, of almost wanting every single shoe that made sense within a, a gentleman's wardrobe. So those were the two starting points because each of them would be actually the matrix of everything else. In Lob Stories, we walk and we talk with inspiring and forward-thinking people. It's interesting. I think, yes, I think in a sense, uh, in what I do, there's a measure of restraint, usually. And uh, uh, if I have a style, it's a fairly... Um, uh, it's, it's fairly invisible. The, and I suppose uh, it, it doesn't show off, it's fairly invisible, it's, uh, it's not very loud and so on and so forth. So it is probably a reflection of, of that as well. I mean, they're both, I don't know who's, what was first, but it, it sort of, yes, it makes sense, I suppose. It's like the clock. There's a clock that stopped at uh, uh, once a day gives you the, the exact hour. So I suppose my uh, thing is a bit the same, whereas there are moments where I'm completely out of, of sync with what's happening. And then, and then the cycle comes back to something that's more in the vicinity of, uh, of my style, I suppose. But you can't, I mean, you could, but I, I, I couldn't... I couldn't imagine like running after what's currently the thing that, that would be extremely tiring, I suppose. I could go crazy for cowboy boots, for instance. And so I would have cowboy boots ordered from some good Western boot makers in America. And, and so I've done that. Style crazes, uh, no, sometimes you get an urge to get yourself some shirts. Some of them 
end up being questionable choices that you never wear. <laughs> but in general, I, I, I think that my wardrobe uh, has been something I've been building over the past 30 years. And it's, you know, there's still here all my suits and my shoes and my ties and, and all of it. So it never, to me, it never feels old because I have a, quite a, a few of them. Uh, yes, 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 of course. Uh, like <laughs> Madras jacket, I love them, but I, I feel like an idiot when I wear them. <laughs> I own them, but I wear them very seldom. But I, I can't bring myself to hate them. They're just great, but it's just a thing. I, I think my wife doesn't enjoy seeing me wearing them. And you have to pay attention to these things as well. <laughs> I read a lot, I, uh, I, I watch, um, I, I go to movies, I watch a lot of, of films. Uh, I tend to think that I'm fairly well informed of what's going on, specifically in the world of fashion, given what we're doing with systems, so that keeps you, whether you like it or not, in touch with the now, if you, if you want to use this term. So yeah, I, I, I think it's, you, I think, I think it's exciting to, to see new things, for sure. Was it better before? I think it's a mind pattern to think it was better before. When you read uh, books by great authors from the turn of the century, I'm not talking about the last century, but the one before, they were already bitching about the fact that things were better before. I remember, and that was kind of an epiphany for me, reading in reading Proust talking about how ugly the promenade on the Bois de Boulogne was back in 1905 because it was filled with automobiles and it was nothing like the splendor of it before the automobile came about and the horse carriages and all that so he was already bitter and 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 mad at, at the modernity back then I think it's a fairly it's a slippery path. I, 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 even though it's, it's a natural tendency, I'd rather avoid it because it makes you very, very sad. I think some of the work of some of my um, um, colleagues, I find very, very beautiful. I think I'm, I'm, I'm very often in awe uh, of certain uh, visual solutions for, for great brands done by some of my more or some of my very talented colleagues. Yes, that I find very beautiful and I'm very impressed with that. You know, I'm sometimes impressed by what I see in movies. Uh, music has never been, I mean, pop music has never been something I was uh, too involved with. Uh, it always bored me. I was uh, more of a visual kind of person, so you know what? I, <laughs> it's a very tiny thing, but I found myself being captivated by the Instagram account of Urs Fischer. He does these 3D little animations of objects that have nothing to do with one another. It's always coupling two objects. I thought it absolutely mesmerizing and a very interesting take on the contemporary world and both aesthetically 
very attractive and seductive and I think conceptually very rich and you can't really get your head around it and it, it opens to a lot of interpretations which, which I think is what makes uh, art art. Well, I had, a, I had a strange moment, but what I think in general is that the shape of your shoes should be in keeping with your, your physique in general. In other words, a big stocky gentleman should not wear pointy shoes. That's ridiculous. Well balanced. There, there is a, a, an, a harmony in, in the whole thing. The way La Place de Concorde is harmonious, the, your, the shape of your shoes should be a reflection of the shape of your body, basically. What are those that I'm wearing? Actually, one of the last pairs of lob that I had made here in Paris, and uh, it's a pair of uh, actually wingtip brogues, black, very, very classic but more for the summertime, so with a lighter construction and a, a, a thinner sole. And the beauty of, 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 of well-made things is that you can keep them for a lifetime and maybe two lifetimes, maybe three, who knows. Well, the thing is I always like to look at them in my wardrobe. It's a nice... I remember there's this picture of Adolphe Manjou in front of this shoe collection you know, he was a Hollywood actor, and he was a great, uh, he was a very fine dresser. And he had this big cupboard full of amazing shoes. And there's a picture of him, very proud, in a white, in white tails, posing next to his shoe collection. It's, it's quite absurd, because it's something quite childish to see a grown-up man being in love with his shoe collection. But there, there's something uh, very strange with shoes and... and and people love shoes. I, I haven't trying to analyze it too too deeply because uh, it would probably cause embarrassment. How many shoes? I don't know. Uh, too much. Too many. That is a, a point where I'm not being, uh, I suppose, sufficiently restrained. That's my. Uh, that is my vulgarity.